0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Real Talk podcast. We hope that these discussions will inform and inspire you to engage in your own Real Talk. Today's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, TriVan. Builders of custom trucks, trailers, and enclosure buildings tailored to your needs. Be sure to check them out at www.trivan.com. A big thanks to them for making these conversations possible. Now, on to the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Talk podcast. Not sure what episode this will be, but i uh, pretty excited today. We have Hildy Slutz on the program. We're going to be talking about safe families and all the great work they do. So, uh, Hildy, welcome to Real Talk. And uh, you. if you don't mind to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into that line of work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it started a long, long, long time ago, ultimately, that I'll, I'll just give it really quick, but I was told I couldn't carry children. So then I knew I loved children, so I thought I would be starting a home downtown Hamilton for children from the streets. Well, God bless me with five children, biologically, and then a whole bunch of others in other ways. Um, but uh-huh. what, what really changed me and got me into Safe Families was my heart was always for the vulnerable. Then we became foster parents. And um, while we were foster parents, we were asked by the Children's Aid Society of Ottawa, a secular organization, um, I'm already going to cry. This is terrible. <laughs> um, to go to churches to recruit more foster families. Wow. And I was like, and we'd only been fostering for a few years by then. Right. So it was like, what? Ask us. Like, there's lots of other people. But there was something about us. Right. That they, they mm. that stood out to them. So and I was like, yes, I would love to do that. What what more beautiful opportunity. Right. To go mm-hmm. and share the need. So I started calling churches in the Ottawa area. So I've just moved to Hamilton, by the way. I've only been here for two years. So we were in Ottawa for 15 years. Um, So when I started calling the churches, I had one yes after another yes after another yes. So like I just kept calling churches and saying, can I come and speak? We were arranging all of them. A hundred percent of the churches said, yes, we'd love to have you. So I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is beautiful. But wait, I've got five kids. I was actually homeschooling at the time. We were fostering two children. I was like, okay, I wasn't expecting this, right? So then I was just just in prayer, discerning, reading through books whatever and it and it crossed my mind in this one picture through a book of Jason Johnson and he talks about the continuity, right? The continuum of care. So children that are in foster care or that are or even vulnerable families, there's a cycle, right? That you know they get pregnant when they're young. The pregnancy centers get involved, and then adoption or foster care happens, and then a lot of children that age out get into sex trafficking or um, whatever, prison, drugs, Mm -hmm. whatever else, and then they get pregnant, whatever else. And I realized that this wasn't just about foster care. The church actually had to enter into more, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of me going to all the churches, I had just been at a conference in Hamilton where Jason Johnson, this guy whose book I was reading, had spoken. So I was like, why don't I bring the churches together? So what we did is we created a conference um, in Ottawa and we invited as many churches as we could. But in the meantime, I'd also gone to child and family servant organizations because I realized that it was all connected. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so had some of them come as well. So then we had this conference and it was it was packed like it blew me away. And people were all excited about it. And, and everybody just kept saying, so what are you going to do next? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this <is kind> of, <laughs> I had a conference and I thought I was good. But there was an obvious nudging from the Lord and from people saying, you're not done yet, Hildy." Right. Mm-hmm. So then because I was going to these child and family serving organizations and inviting them, when I went to them, they were saying, um, we need help. And I was like, what kind of help do you need? We need people, we need money, we need resources. And I go to the church and they're like, yeah, we'd love to help, but we don't really know how.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's people wanting help here and needing help. And there's people here that want to help, but don't know how to help. So I actually created an organization. And that was before I heard about Safe Families. It was called Connect Care Ottawa. So what we did is we collaborated, we gathered with church leaders and sorry, Okay, then I'm walking oh, yeah. the mic. Oh, good. <laughs> going to use my hands. Um, so, so we had them actually in a room together, and it mm. was the most beautiful, like experiences. We would meet. I don't know how often we met, but sometimes there was 25 in a room. Sometimes there was 50 in the room. And I remember the one that we had. There were like we were sharing as child and family servant organizations and churches what each person was doing. We kind of ran around the circle. Am I totally going off of no, 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 okay, keep going. Okay, I'm like I didn't mention my family or anything like that, but
0: oh, we'll get there. So okay, yeah, we'll back so it up.
1: Um, how I got into it is what I'm getting at, I guess. So we met with them, and then churches were sharing what they had opportunities for, and these child and family servant organizations were asking for help. And right there in the room, they're like. Hey, I can help you. And hey, can you Mm -hmm. help me? It was just this beautiful sense of one body of Christ, one church, one kingdom under one God, just sharing right there Mm. how this works. And then, oh, this was my most beautiful moment. We had a, a, a CAS worker, a supervisor, sit right beside a lead pastor of a church. And the pastor turned to the CAS worker and said, I always thought you didn't like us. And this woman, she had long hair, I'll never forget, and she flipped her head and her hair kind of came around and she's like, no, we need you. And I just had goosebumps like right to the core because that right there was the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. It was this interpretation of the church that the world hates us and we need to stay away from that and the world saying, sorry, we need you the world needs the gospel to be brought to these people. So that was just just the most encouraging moment for me to kind of go forward. Anyways, we can continue with that, but then even then after that as foster as a foster parent, um I was still kind of in this proud moment of I knew I had to do this, right? And you know, I was things were moving around and moving forward. You, you guys get what I'm saying, yeah, right? We yeah. kind of go in this air. And then God really convicted me one day when I was um, putting my little foster baby to bed. And her grandparents brought her to CAS because they couldn't care for her. And her mom was a drug addict and struggling with some things. I put that little girl to bed and she smiled. And I thought, She has no idea what tomorrow holds. She has Mm. no idea where she's going to be for the rest of her life. She has no idea. And she's trusting me and smiling. Mm. And I just went to my room and bawled because that too was the gospel. Mm. Right? Because And I'm thinking, I'm worrying about her, worrying about my kids, worrying about tomorrow, whatever else. Right? Mm. And this sweet little precious girl had no fear. And I was just like wrecked. Mm to use youth words, whatever, <laughs> because I was convicted that, you know, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And I didn't, like, I got it throughout life. I, I always knew Christ as my savior, but it wasn't until that moment through this vulnerable little girl that, did, had, that had, had no safety net, had no understanding, did not have a family even at that point, because we we were just starting to, to foster her and I, she didn't know. Mm. That's our life, guys right? Like we don't know what to hold tomorrow. Put mm-hmm. your head on the pillow and smile because there's no more vulnerable mm-hmm. place than to be sleeping because we're completely out of control. It's the most beautiful worship. And that's just what I felt from that little girl. And from then on, I'm just like, take me wherever you want, Jesus, because I got to tell the world more. Anyways.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> With the testimony off the bat. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you got involved, you started this organization, Connect yeah. Care, you mentioned. So how does that translate to getting involved with safe families? Yeah. Where did that go?
1: Yeah, good question. So as you can see, God changed my heart through all this, right? And there's there's a few more stories in between. And then my husband got a job in Ottawa, I mean, in Oakville, and we moved here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off. I'm not going to, you know, just kind of settle in here. It was COVID as well, and I'm just going to kind of get to know people. And we, we thought mm. we were moving into the house with two, and we ended up moving in with nine. So there were a few more people because of lost jobs and whatever else. So it was a bit overwhelming. But I actually kind of went downhill. My mental health went down. And my husband's like, honey, get back out. gotta it. get out there. <laughs> get, I know what you're burning to do. So um, so I did. So I first was involved with Care Portal, um, which is an organization that I'm also quite passionate about. It's it's actually I won't we'll go on to Care Portal, but anyways, that didn't work out for for me, but with, just with the person I was working with. So then I connected with Jen Francis, who I'd also actually met in Ottawa before I left there as well. So we connected, and she's like, Hildy, there's all kinds of people in Hamilton that are interested in safe families, but nobody wants to start it." I was like, "Pick me! I'll do it." So so I did. So this was March twenty twenty one. I don't know, a year ago, I guess twenty twenty one. Wow. And um yeah, I gathered a team around me and then prayed and prayed and prayed. And we had to raise a certain amount of money. And and even that we were supposed to kind of raise $32,000. And I went to a guy and he's like, what do you need? And I said, 32,000 the next day I had the check in my hand. So I'm like, okay, God's really confirming that we need to do this. So then we set up um, a leadership council and I actually hadn't planned to, to sit in the director role in the Hamilton Halton region um, I really wanted to, you know, stay active with my family and get to know whatever else. But mm-hmm. then it was like, I don't have to do this on my own. So we actually hired an assistant right away. So there's two of us that are working in tandem. But yeah, then I went to churches and started sharing about it, got volunteers and I was already in touch with the CAS when we came here because we were going to be respite um foster parents for my brother who's a foster parent. So I had already had an in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to talk to CAS workers. I know a lot of people have some trepidation, but they're just like you and I. And yep. so we had a connection right away with the CAS, um, too, and they were interested. I've done numerous presentations with, with their teams and, and so on. And then started talking to pregnancy centers and other people as well. So, yeah. Wow.
2: So, well, maybe you can just give everybody like an, uh, an overview of what Safe Families is. And then like, yeah. obviously you running the local chapter, but what does that yeah. mean?
1: Like- yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. So Safe Families really is responding to a lack of connection in society. So um, we, we respond to families that are in crisis, what we say. And crisis really is kind of just a spiraling down to a certain place where you can't manage life on your own, right? So, and that can be in any circumstance, a health issue, a loss of job, um, even having a baby, right? If you don't have connections or even coming to the country, um, we have children that have some high needs, whatever, just certain situations that the parents are just exasperated or overwhelmed with their situation. Um, and then what we do, we, we wrap what we call a circle of support around that family. So we usually assign a coach that meets with the parents and, and kind of set some goals, right? So they're in this crisis, they're in this position where they're struggling. And then um, we help set some goals and we kind of help them get connected. And that's kind of our goal, right? To to find resources, to find supports that would be naturally in their life. Mm-hmm. And then we have what we call family friends. And they're just what you and I know as friends. And they're, they're beautiful. Just text a call, bring a meal, whatever, bring it to an appointment. And then we also have what we call host families and host families are the families that will open up their homes to children. So if there was a circumstance where the parent, the parents needed a break, or if they were going into the hospital or something like that, that there would be another home for these children to go to. Mm. And then the, the other part of it is a, as a resource friend and they're very, um, they're, they people, they're people that respond in very tangible ways. So, um, I love t- telling this story, but one house, um, one family that we supported were uh, their family, their house was infested with bugs mm. and like absolutely infested. Like mm. you couldn't find a corner that didn't have one in the couches and whatever, like everything. Right. So what happened is we had to remove the children from that home. So they stayed at someone's home for a little while. And then we had a couple family friends walk alongside the parents during that time. And then we had the whole house, the complete house emptied like every last thing, fumigated twice, um, the walls were wiped and washed, everything was cleaned up and refurnished in three days. Oh, wow. And that's because the church responded. And so the resource friends were the people that got the furniture, dropped it off, brought meals to the point that there was a Christmas tree set up in the end, meals in the freezer. Now, isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. The best part of it is, is that the neighbors were noticing, the landlords like, what the what is going on here? And he got them a new fridge and a new stove um, for them because, and the teachers and the principals of the school, the kids were going, were like, what's going on? Like, these kids are doing better. And it was just this the gospel was on display, honestly. So hearts were changed by a very tangible response to a family that was in a hard place. Wow. But the the church is full of resource people. It's full of friends. It's full of people, right, that could respond. So now this family has connections. And if they get into a circumstance, they know who to call. And -hmm. they've got friends through the people that hosted their children. And And the host family stays in touch with these kids and celebrates their birthdays or whatever else with them or so. Um, So that's kind of how Safe safe Families works. There's another part of it, if you see a picture of this, called the Ministry Lead. And the Ministry Lead is really key for us as the staff of Safe Families because they're the liaison for the church. But we also call them like shepherds and shepherdesses. So they will kind of help oversee it in your church as well and encourage you. And because like as a foster parent or as a host family or as a family in Safe Families, sometimes the circumstances are really hard. You guys just Mm. heard what I'm dealing with right now, right? So Mm. we want to make sure that your church is aware, too, who's involved in some of these situations. Um, But you already have this circle of support. So in that circle, you're also communicating. We've got little WhatsApp groups. So you're supported, and then the church is around you yet supporting. And no one's alone. Like I know the line's kind of overdone. We're all in this together, but Truly, as the body of Christ, we can't do without each other, yeah. and and we emphasize that that if you're not good at something, ask someone else to fill in that because that's their strength, right? So, I'm actually a terrible cook, so like I'm not the <laughs> meal maker in this part, but you know, but that's kind of the point of it. But mm. yeah,
0: okay. There's lots of other people who are so
2: you know.
1: Yes. Yeah, so like- you mentioned the chapters yet. So Safe Families mm-hmm. is actually an international organization. It's in, it started in the States with a man named Dave Anderson. And he was a, um, a psychologist, psychotherapist. I forget exactly what he was. But um, he had people coming to him and asking for support, you know, mental, mental support and counseling. And then they would ask, like, can you take care of my kids or can you help me with my kids? And he's like, sorry, that's not part of what I'm supposed to be doing. And then he walked into church one Sunday and he was like, there's all these people here. Mm. So um, and then he started Safe save families. So that was in the States. It's kind of exploded across the States. It's also in the UK and, and, and just recently started in China as well, which oh, wow. is kind of neat. And then in Canada, it came in 2012 um, with Jen Francis and, and it kind of started off slowly with a couple of chapters, Toronto, Winnipeg, and London. And now it's just exploding across. So we have local chapters. So there's one in Niagara, there's one in Brantford, there's one in Kitchener, Waterloo and London um guelph is starting up now chatham wessex and so on so and then out west as well so winnipeg edmonton steinbeck and i'm probably missing
0: some wow so obviously the need is tremendous
1: it is tremendous oh like yes we get calls daily and the waiting list is is just growing yeah it's it's and like I said, the hospitals are calling us. The schools are calling us. Yeah. Today, a pregnancy center called us. CAS is always calling us yeah. and referring us. So mm-hmm. it's well. filling a gap. It, it's truly filling something that, that we all need. We all want to belong. We all want to be seen. We all need support. But the other thing is, and, and this is what is what breaks my heart more, we're doing what the church should always have been doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So- if if the church really had been loving their neighbor as themselves and really saw their neighbor even as their brother and sister, right? Like Jesus says in Matthew twenty five, you know care for these the least of me. That's when he's talking about you know um, separating the sheep and the goats. And when you know give me something to eat, and if you give me something to drink and clothe me, whatever else, and you don't care for one of the least of these, my brothers, mm. right? So the least of these are our siblings. So if we had continued to do this well you know years past or should have done it the cas would never have been have been formed mm. but because the church really didn't care well for their neighbor we had to start these institutions mm. and these organizations
2: <clears throat> do you think that's like partly like being like a a symptom of having like immigrated here or mm. or it being a fairly new country you know what i've kind of i've you know?
1: had i've thought about that a lot um But I don't know, right? So I've been wrestling with this fact even of what family is, Mm. because especially being away from my family for a while, like 15 years, our family became our church, Mm -hmm. right? And our community that we didn't go to grandpa and grandma's on Sunday or whatever else, right? And, Mm And on the flip side of it, we did have one, we had a very small church, but we had one family that was kind of the core family in our church. And my kids were friends with a lot of the kids, but they could never visit them on Sundays or have them over because they went to Nana and Papa's whatever. Mm. All of a sudden we felt isolated then, right? This mm. was our family, and we thought to get, but it just opened our eyes to our family is believers. Mm. You're my brothers, right? So, and what happens is there's almost a, a cult like, sorry, that's a strong word, but there's a <laughs> there's a, a strong almost too strong. And I think that's because of the immigration. We like, they really needed their brothers and sisters and relatives when they first started, right. Mm. Because they spoke the same language, they had the same culture and the heritage. And, and that's kind of, you know, certain habits and traditions started because of that. Mm. But I think now that we're settled, we need to break away from that. So like Sundays that's are, all, yeah. that's Sundays, where it
2: becomes tough, I guess. Cause then you have to institutionalize those kind of um, like it's turned it into a program really. Then, because well, it's not something that's natural. Like, I just see that, like, if you have, yeah, you seem kind of isolated if you come as an immigrant because you're the outsider in your own, you know, home. Mm-hmm. We think of it as our home now. But, you know, when, like, my grandparents came here, they definitely were, you know, not, you know, Canadians. They yeah. were Dutch. And yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but there
1: was- were some some Dutch people like I have friends that were immigrants and they like made as much of an effort as they could to be Canadians. Mm, So it's a perspective as well too. Right. And, and the way you do it, but I think you're right. There needs to be kind of a culture shift in the church now as well. Right. That um, you know, whatever your, your traditions are that you expand that, Mm. like it's, it's really not that hard to invite a neighbor over while your other family is there. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, sending a text or saying hello, you know, God tells us to pursue hospitality. And do not neglect it. So he's telling us to go after it, Mm. right? So and that means that we, you know, we talk about the, you know, who's our who's our neighbor and who's the good Samaritan. Well, it's people you meet up on the path. But if God says pursue it, go after it, it's not just sitting there and waiting for those people that are in our path. It's actually, you know,
2: yeah, active, active, an
1: active, you know, um, activity for him. And I even think that you know, Jesus' most difficult time was going on the cross, but yet, if you really think about it, he sweat drops of blood before he went on the cross Mm. because he knew that he was going to be separated from the Father so that we could have a relationship with him, right? Mm -hmm. He had to pursue us by coming to earth first, right, and get into this scummy world, Mm -hmm. left the beautifulness of being beside his Father that's what we have to do. So he sacrificed to have relationship. Mm. We yeah. need to sacrifice our life to have more relationship as well. And then I love kind of tying it into, you know, James one twenty seven is kind of the fostered adoption text, right? True religion is to care for the orphan and the widow. God says from the very beginning of time to take care of the fatherless, the sojourn, the refugee, whatever else. When he talks about the orphans and the widows, he means the vulnerable, those mm. that are in broken and hard situations, right? Do you know what he says next? And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right after that, there hmm. must be a correlation, right? So in, in my eyes, then, if you're, if you're caring for the orphan and the widow, if you're caring for the distressed and the broken and the homeless or whatever else, you're going to be unstained from the world. Hmm. It doesn't make sense logically, right? There's this fear of I need to protect myself and I don't want to get involved with drug addicts and the homeless and Mm. whatever else. But he's saying, and he did this, we know this, right? He went to those people. Mm. So if we are really going to follow Christ, we need to go into those broken places. And then with humility, say, you too are creating the image of God. Mm -hmm. And then if we are, you know, the least of these, my brothers, some of them are siblings.
2: Mm.
0: That takes some faith though, for it sure. It
1: takes faith. It you, does. You, you kind of
0: have two two ends of that, right? Like on the one hand, yes, we need to get out and be with these people and support these people. But on the other hand, like there's a lot of cultural pressure, both from like within the immigrant side, like we talked about, but also just as the world, like the need is there because families in secular culture are breaking down yeah. more and more every day. And those forces are in play in the church community as well. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of families out there. It's like it's hard enough to keep your own family in good mm-hmm, shape. Mm-hmm. Never mind go help someone else. Yeah. So you yeah that's that's hard.
1: So that so that's a balance, mm-hmm. and that's why the safe family structure is so healthy, right? Because there is a circle of support. There is a natural family, even with our volunteers in that circle. We're leaning on each other, and you know, kind of as my life was changed when I put this little girl to bed, I'm seeing volunteers' lives being changed. The redemption story is happening in them. And, you know, and I can train and prepare and say, you know, don't have the Savior complex. Make sure you point them to Christ. Don't try to save them. The fear factor, you know what? Jesus went, you know, and tells us do not fear more often than anything else in the Bible pretty well. Right. And all these things that we have, we're too busy, whatever else. And yet those volunteers are now seeing Christ in more Mm -hmm. fullness because they realize they want to try to control things. They were worried about certain things. And now these people that we we kind of want to stay away from are actually exemplifying more humility and more um, vulnerability to mm. them.
2: Wow, well, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's guys, it's I, hard. Yeah. It's
1: scary. I I, I don't want to, but but I think that you know if God's commanding us, He's going to be with us, mm. right? And if we truly be- believe that He is a sovereign God and that He you know knows the hairs on our head he's going to continue to know the hairs on her head when we go and sit beside someone in a hard place. Mm. And don't get me wrong. So, you know, I often, when it comes across, it sounds like all the people that we help are, you know, completely messed up. It's not the case at all. Right. Mm. So like one of the families we, um, we supported lives in Stony Creek in in a beautiful home, whatever else, but she's Sudanese. Um, Her, her mom was kind of her support and she was back in Sudan and she just struggled, you know, with depression. And she was like, she was going to a counselor and the counselor said, actually, maybe she call safe families. So when we came to her, she was like, just get my kids out of here. I'm yelling at them. I'm going to hurt them. I just want to, you know, get them out of here. So, and that was a bit of a journey too. So we, we mm-hmm. did, we, we, I, as much as possible, don't like to take the children out of the home, partly because of my history as a foster parent, there's just one more separation, one more experience of trauma and who are these strangers that these kids are going to. So we try as much as possible to help in the home. So we um, brought meals to that family. We helped her with schedules and whatever else and different things. And she finished her, or she's not quite finished, but she's almost finished her college degree now and um, the kids are doing
2: well. But
1: yeah, it's not all, there's people without connections Mm -hmm. and without relationships that we desire yeah, to Yeah, I mean, take that on. for
2: granted. Cause we have a church community and, and we, yeah, like we're used to having all that. Right. Yeah. Having a, well, and
1: that's, know. that's too, that's, that's actually a great point. So because all of our volunteers are Christian, they all come from churches and we share that right away. Like mm-hmm. every family that calls us, my first thing is we're a Christian organization and I pray with all of them as well. So they know that. And I said, this is for you. Because when I go to church on Sunday, there's a lot of people sitting around me. So I'm not doing this on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. I want you to get connected to this community as well. Yep. So mm-hmm. they're right away stronger because they're connected to me who has yep. a large connection of the church yep. body. Yep. Able
2: to call, uh, yeah. So I, I, unless you have a question. Oh, go ahead. I'm, so I'm curious, like just for, I mean, I'm not overly familiar with like CAS and stuff, but like, how does that, um, what is CDS, CAS's role traditionally? I mean, it's probably not all that old either, but, yeah. um, and then where do you fit in into that picture? Are you taking over their job? Like you said, they yeah. call you for, do they call you for help or like, yeah, yeah, that's I, a great I know question. they deal with like some tough situations too. Yeah, And yeah. you know, it's probably not great to always get, you know, a call from them, but like, yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe can give like a little bit yeah. of background. What yeah,
1: absolutely. So the CAS is really to care for families where there's abuse or neglect, hmm. say families desires to prevent neglect. Um, abuse and neglect so we we like to say we're kind of in the preventative um space although we are also in the um uh intervention was foster we support foster care and adoption as well as well as the restoration which is those that have aged out and are stuck in a hard place later on so so you would call the cas if if there was abuse
2: which do could be do verbal people and, generally call CAS for assistance or, yeah, or do so, they get like CAS called on them?
1: Yeah, both. Okay. Both. So so that's what's changing now with safe families. People are mm-hmm. calling uh, CAS for, for help and and then the CAS will say, well, there's actually no neglect and abuse happening here. You just need some support. Can you mm-hmm. call safe families? So that. then safe families comes alongside and supports those families to make sure that they remain strong. Um, sorry, what was your other question?
2: Yeah, I just wondering like how yeah, that well, that kind of explains a lot of it. Like where yeah. does um well, maybe what what does the roadmap of CDS C D S look like? Like if yeah. somebody calls them or if yeah. they get yeah. called in, like does that I mean, it's a pretty nasty looking situation.
1: Well, see, some are really nasty and see, and that's, that's the kind of the false dilemma that people have with the CAS too, that Mm. they're, they're taking kids from families. Their, their vision, their mission has changed quite a bit over the years as well. And they're actually becoming more preventative as well. And they desire as well to keep the families intact. So that, Mm. that's our aim too, right? Um, So there's, there's usually kind of an intake that they have, and then they try to find family or supports that that family could receive with help. Um, And the last thing that they do would be foster care, right? Mm -hmm. Unless there is a very clear abuse situation and immediately that child needs to be removed, but it's not that quick. Like they right. they do their best to kind of find supports. And even for adoption, if a child is in foster care, they as much as possible desire to um, find a relationship, a friend or a family member or something like that, that comes alongside of them first. Right. So they do their best um, to walk alongside. So we actually have a very healthy relationship with the CAS, which is, which is really great. And we, we like to work with them um, for a couple of reasons, one is that they're connected already to a lot of supports in the mm-hmm. community. So if we have to do assessments or whatever, or, or get a lawyer or whatever it is, um, they have those quick, um, quick access. So so right. things get expedited pretty quickly, right? If we needed to get a child tested for autism or a parent for FASD, whatever else, we just need to jump a few more hoops because we're we're just not as recognized yet. Right. Yep. And they also have the financial means. Yeah. So they can support with extra bus tickets or even covering um, temporary housing or whatever it else, schools, you know, lunches, like right. they can support financially in a beautiful way. So we like to keep them kind of right. close by the difficulty is the families that we are supporting do not want to be involved The CAS. No. Right. So although some of them do like some of the intakes, they want their CAS worker there as well, just because it's a trust relationship right. as well. But I will tell you something neat. Um, I'm going to cry again. I had a meeting with about 50 supervisors from the CAS here in Hamilton. And um, I I shared the vision or whatever, a little PowerPoint presentation of CAS. And I always have the same two responses with the different groups that I respond to. Usually it's like, wow, that's amazing. Or I'm not sure if this is like, is it too good to be true kind of thing. But there was one guy um, and I don't know his faith background, but he 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 kind of started talking and then he was quiet. So he started, everybody was quiet, right? And then he was quiet for a minute. So whatever he was gonna say, we were all gonna hear. And he said, if safe families, and I believe if the church really does this work well, they could eradicate the CAS. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Right, Because he got that if we as a church were aware of what was going on in our neighborhood and were really paying attention to our neighbors, whether we're in the country or the city or wherever we are, we would prevent abuse and neglect. And we'd be able to help the refugee, the sojourner, the voiceless, the fatherless, and poor and the needy. Wow. They get it. Hmm. And they also get that they need the church.
2: Yep. That's a great spot. To that it's, no not something, it's not something you hear much, right?
0: It's like, this has been out of the blue, but it, do you ever run into, like, I mean, we'll back up. In, in politics, there's a big push on the whole LGBTQ gender side of things. And especially lately with certain laws have been passed, you can only uh, counsel and, and affirm their choices, whatever that choice is. Yeah. Um, do you guys run into roadblocks or issues with that dealing with families?
1: Nope. And I'll tell you why. and this is this is actually a beautiful opportunity for the church to be involved as well. So we're always asked about that, right? When we enter in the CAS, there's kind of this, well, you're a Christian, and what are you going to do if a Muslim calls or someone that's homosexual or whatever else? And I say, they remain the parent, right? We're going to show the love of Jesus Christ. And then there's kind of why well, you're going to, you know, throw your gospel down their throat. And I said, well, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can't hold that back in whatever capacity it is. So I'm going to show love. And I tell my volunteers, to, uh, I preach not to preach kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. First, it's developing that relationship, show the love of Christ, exemplify the gospel to them, right? So they understand who you are and what you believe in and where you stand. And then the conversations will be more healthy. Right after that, so um, what we what we stand by is that the parents remain the parents. So they have the choices over the children. We we're not allowed to say anything about that unless they ask us, of course. Right. So it would be the same with your neighbor. Right. If you had your neighbor over for dinner, you could talk about your point of view about you know their children or whatever else, but you ultimately couldn't make that decision for them. Right. So uh, the second or third person that called this was actually a homosexual woman and, um, she was apprehensive knowing that we were a Christian organization and we visited, I think with two or three times. And then the third time or not the third time b- between the second and third time she texted us. And she said, just so you know, by the way, my partner's name is, and she said a female name and she said, but I haven't felt any like negative relationship with you. And I want to continue with you. And we said we would love to right. Walk alongside of you. So she came with the premise of fear Uh and we dissipated that because we were faithful in our love to her. Right. We have another family with a a transgender, um, child and the same thing, they know kind of where the volunteers stand. It's a bit, you know, the different volunteers kind of different perspectives on it as well. So, but because we're in this circle of support, the volunteers are also dialoguing how to talk about it. Uh And, um, we talked about, you know, how to speak about it with her and the mom very early on. And she said, can you just let me deal with it? And we said, may the Lord bless you. You can deal with it. Right. So, but if she mm-hmm. ever asks us questions, we share what we believe yep. mm-hmm. in in our perspective, because that's my conviction. Right. And I stand before the Lord in that. So we, we've never run into roadblocks. If anything, they've seen more love than they've expected from Christians.
0: Mm. Okay. Which is um, a beautiful thing, yeah. I mean. Do, like, but the, like, say the rubber hit the road and you're like trying to help this family out, but they want to proceed with some sort of surgery. It's
1: entirely up to them. So, yeah, yeah just... we run into like the situation I was saying before I came here, right? There's a missing child. There's an angry mom. There's an angry dad. Yeah. We got to do our best and leave the rest of the Lord. And and the Lord's leading it. And this is where I can see him smiling down on me saying, Hildy, you you know, you know, I've got my eye on the sparrow. I've got my eye on this little one, too. I'm working on you. I'm working on this woman. I'm working on the dad. You know, just stay close to me. Be faithful to them as I am faithful to you. Don't forsake them because I don't forsake you. You're a mess too, Hildy, right? Like, and that just wants me. To go further into it, and it, mm-hmm. it's hard, right? And and Jesus went into hard places. He also did go up to the mountain and had time with his father, right? There is there's definitely an emotional drain that is walking alongside hard situations, but Jesus gets it. Yeah. And you know, he went to the synagogues. He gathered, people, he spent most of his time with people that he wasn't even supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. The lepers and whatever else, and he touched them, the prostitutes, and mm-hmm. went near them, hugged them, loved them. And we're kind of yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's a messy world. Yeah, no kidding. Do you have a question? Or I got another one if you want. Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. What do you think is your biggest challenge at safe families? Like, is it resources? Is it people? Is it certain problems you deal with continually?
1: Well, that's kind of a multifaceted faceted question, I guess. So what are the biggest problems as far as the growth of it or the volunteers or the families that we're serving or what Mm. what can you? Okay. Yeah.
0: What is your biggest challenge in the day-to-day work that you do? And then after that, we'll go to growth.
1: Yeah. For us, the, the day-to-day work is that it's heavy work really, Uh, you know, in my role and my assistant's role, you know, we start every Monday off with the Lord and we just pray and we bring the families before the Lord Um, because it's heavy. And like, we're the directors and we got to make decisions of what do you do next? And and we've had to pull out of some situations where the families were abusing our volunteers as well. So, and that's a tough call. Cause then I'm convicted of, I'm just saying, be faithful as Jesus is faithful. And then I'm saying, actually, I need to protect you as volunteers. You need to remove yourself from this situation. Right? So that's, that's hard, but I also need to be mindful that God has a story too. Right. And we're not the savior. Mm. So any little bit that we can share, they might grab onto, right, that mustard seed. So that's, that's probably the heaviest in the day to day. Um, We're always and even navigating and triaging the waiting list as well. So how do you decide like, you you can't just go down the list, because if you know, if a baby's going to be born tomorrow, you need a host family tomorrow right? Mm. And then you have to bump some other people down to get that family up, which also means you're going to take more volunteers because we always put a circle around. There's always a coach involved. So so that triaging is kind of difficult as well. And the other thing is um, like, I just met you guys. So this is kind of what happens with us too. We meet right. this family. We kind of spend an hour with them. We get to know them and then we start making some goals and moving forward. Oftentimes it isn't until two or three weeks or a month later that we find out more, right? So then it's like, Oh, okay. We need to regroup here and figure something else out or whatever else. Right. right. So, so that's hard and that's harder on our volunteers. And, and as you know, as the directors, we take responsibility for that. But in reality is we didn't know either.
0: Do you, do you find <laughs> people trying to manipulate? Often?
1: There's, there's a lot of manipulation yeah. um, with those that are like, have been caught in this cycle Yeah, because they know how to manipulate
0: the system. They're pretty jaded.
1: They, yeah. And, and they, they know, what the church people are like. Right. But for the most part, um, once they understand our, our true faithfulness to them, there's not much of it anymore. Right. Because they just think we're nuts and right. it's like, you're going to bring more meals and you're going to come and take me to the vet with the like the cat and, and you're going to come and give me a bed. And like, they're just like, what's the rub? Yeah. The catch? Yeah. Yeah. And and Mm. then, and then we're friends. So, and that's, that's my favorite thing about safe families. So, so we say we come and enter in with a crisis, crisis situation, and we set some goals to kind of get out of that situation. But what happens next is we have this circle of support. We have these friends around these people, but then we remain friends with them. So they have our personal contact information. And for a lot of them, they're at our house, right? For a meal or Or for whatever else, or we take them shopping or whatever you want to do. Mm. So they never lose us. So be, they call this because they didn't have connections. Now they have forever connections yep. and they've got the church family and the extended family that we have as well.
0: Do you find that's a challenge personally? Cause you probably know so many people now.
1: Yeah. I was just talking about that with my um, assistant this morning too. Like, because, and that's why we set up coaches right away. It's very important to us. So, you know, Natalie and I, um, as directors, we oversee kind of the whole picture and then we have our coaches kind of that oversee each individual circle. We're in touch with all the coaches as well. Um, but but truly, you you guys probably have friends that you talk to twice a year, right? Yeah, sure. Or once a month. So the reality is some are going to be more work and more intense, and others aren't gonna be. So I'm still in touch with my friends from, from Ottawa and still in touch with my foster families, whatever else. But right. I'm not meeting with them all the time. Yeah. So yeah. you can definitely stay in touch. And it's a matter of a text or a phone call or a visit, mm-hmm. depending on, on who they are and what they're involved with. And that's what I stress with our volunteers too. Like, it doesn't have to be more work. Like if you're going shopping, just pick up that person, take them shopping with you. Yep. If you're mm-hmm. going to the park with your kids, pick them up and take them to the park. You know, if you're sitting and waiting in a line, text them and see how they're doing. And, and you guys know, like, what does that mean to you? Right. Mm-hmm. Someone thought of me, yep. you're lifted mm-hmm. up. I, I am astounded by God's grace how much a friend means, Mm. how much from even like day one to day three of the families that we walk alongside, just because we put our arm around them and said, we see you we're here for you, how it empowers them. And it empowers the rest of their family as well, because they're like, well, we can help with that, whatever. They just didn't know how before. And we kind Mm. of gave them this structure and this mobilization to, this just reminds me of a story actually, you know the story of the woman of the well, the well, right? So mm. Jesus comes and um, he asks for a cup of water. I'm always baffled by that, because who created water, right? Who never had to thirst? Mm. Yet he humbled himself and said, "You woman with many husbands, will you give me a cup of water?" And I remember thinking that before I went to visit one of our foster moms, actually the the girl that I was talking about earlier, this um, mom was an Inuit. Anuk a woman, and she did the fine bead work on moccasins and so on. Oh, cool. So I always, whenever I meet f- families, I like to find something, you know, their strengths. We lean into their strengths as much as possible, but even more so find something that they can do that I can't do because mm. they are intimidated first, right? Like we come here supposedly all together and we're going to help them and whatever, but I want to right away have like A level playing field. Mm -hmm. So I right away asked them for help and support in some way from Mm. them that they can help me. So I went to this mom and I said, Could you make some slippers for your little girl? That was all I said. She just bawled and just cried and cried. She's like, No one's ever seen value in me before. No one's ever asked me to help them. Right away, she just hugged me and she said, I would love to. Like at first it was kind of like, you don't know how to make slippers. I'm like, no, I have a clue. Now don't get me wrong. I could have found a pair of slippers, right. Mm-hmm. That would have fit her or whatever else. But I wanted to find a way to lift this woman up. After that, she was on the same field and she wanted to help me. And she told me more about life and things and what she was doing and how she sold this stuff at markets and whatever else. And, and I've done that ever since. And it's amazing. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Cause it also gives me. Uh, an in and a security with her, right? With, with the other people as well. Cause if Mm -hmm. they're not going to open up and be vulnerable, I'm not going to truly get to know them and be able to pray for them or, you know, and to truly be a good friend and to laugh and joke and
0: Mm -hmm. shoot the shit, that kind of
1: (laughs) stuff. Right. Like you just, yeah. yeah. So anyways, that God led that in a beautiful way. Um,
2: Yeah. I've heard that before. Like even uh, if you move into a community or to like, just to get to know your neighbors next door, to ask them for something like, oh, like borrow something off of your neighbor. Like, I ha- I I just moved is- to my house like two
0: months ago, and my neighbor they're like an older couple next door, and I was just chatting them up and whatever. He's just he's retired, so he I, he's always around, but he cuts like the one side of my grass for me. Yeah, and that's just like really nice thing to do. He brings yeah. like my recycling bins in oh, when I work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, thanks, Larry. Like you're a yeah. beauty. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And he's just yeah. Now I get to know him pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah.
1: it's it's true. Ask ask how you can help them. And there's right away.
0: Mm.
1: So, and in that there's also something else that happens. We had a beautiful story in Ottawa when we were caring for, um, we had two little children we were caring at the time and, uh, a neighbor, our neighbors walked by, we lived kind of in the country in a subdivision. Um, but the one neighbor stopped and said, cause they were two Haitian children. So different color than us. And, oh, who are these, whatever else, and mm-hmm. whatever. And we started talking about it. And the next day she came by and she said, I love what you guys are doing. I want to help you. Can I walk your dog? And I was like, may the Lord bless you. Yes, you may absolutely <laughs> walk my dog. Right? Like, sure. And it, for, for me, that, that first was like, everybody can do something. We're mm-hmm. all called to care for the vulnerable right? We're all going to do different things. If it's walking the dog to make me stronger, to be able to care for these children, she's caring for the vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. But a week later she came by and I was hanging up the laundry out, outside and she came over to me and she's like, I got to tell you a story. Her husband's name was Bob. Um, she said just yesterday, we were driving downtown Ottawa and we were at an intersection and we saw a guy with a white sheet over his shoulder. And Bob said, I just want to find out what's going on with that guy. So they, they stopped and they said, how are you? And what's with the white sheet? Apparently this guy had just come out of surgery and he was going home. And then like our neighbor, Bob said, well, like who's going to help you there? And he's like, "Oh, nobody. That's why the hospital gave me a sheet. And they're like, okay, Hildy and Matt opened up their home, put an extra bed in their home for foster kids. We actually have three extra beds in our house. They picked up this guy and took him home and nursed him back to health until he was well because it was not our doing, right? This was, again, the gospel was being shared and shown and they were touched by it. And God touched their heart to open up their homes to care for people that needed. Wow! So there's so much more to just being a neighbor, loving God and your neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. God's doing more beautiful things um, through that.
2: Yeah, and so you may eradicate the CAS, which is... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, it's not a bad goal.
1: No, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. Like, like you know, and and my goal, kind of for Safe Families, is that every church in the Hamilton-Halton region knows about Safe Families and volunteers. The other side is that no family is left without connection. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a big prayer. That's
2: but a big God goal, is an
1: but... Almighty God and can do amazing things. So mm-hmm. why don't we look forward to that?
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: And and yes, this world is a mess right now. There's a lot of yucky things going on and tensions and whatever else. But if we truly believe that God is in control and that we are his hands and feet and we're his ambassadors and advocates, let's go brothers. Let's be Mm -hmm. bold. Let's go and, and, you know, change the world one person at a time by sharing his love with Mm -hmm. those that, that need it most.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Obviously, you can get while well, you can get involved by going to your website, I guess. Yeah. And click yeah. get involved, yeah. which is not yeah. very hard. Yeah. Um. But could you explain the like? You mentioned that the CAS will. You often like to stay in touch with them because you get nice monetary help from them, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing is coming mm-hmm. from the government, mm-hmm. which is coming mm-hmm. from all of us. But
1: well, they don't help us specifically. They don't help safe families. The they help the families. Yeah. If you just kind of yeah. like, hey, go get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. Right. So, but how does
2: your um or how does yeah how does safe families um fund structure do you yes. have any like resources that you're yes. able to provide or like so what i or? do
1: is i come to tyler and uh lucas, lucas and i say hey guys lucas, how are you lucas. doing let me tell you what say families can you hand over your money now to support us so. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah financially um yeah i go to to business owners and individuals but also to churches um you know i do different presentations at churches and usually that that's kind of my my favorite Really? Right. Because then, you know, the church is also committed, but, um, it's, it's really not hard to give to something that's changing the community through the church. Right. So, um, but yeah, our funds come through businesses, individuals and and churches ultimately. Yeah. Is
2: is there like, so is there a budget that you run on as a local chapter Yeah. or is it like you're kind of raising money as it is needed or is it like, yeah,
1: so yeah, kind of as a local chapter. This this is actually an area I don't like talking about because right. I'm married to an accountant and and he <laughs> takes care of the numbers and the money and, and I just say yes, dear kind of thing. So right. um because we're like we're not even a year old yet in Hamilton. Right. Yeah. So we're we're kind of changing the budget as we go along. We hired um the two of us. And, and we're hiring someone already in September as well, who's already working with us now, but we're we're growing so quickly. Mm. So we actually have a fundraiser coming up next weekend. We're hoping to kind of cover the salary of one of us, but we're all part time as well, um, which is, which is awesome because mm. the pressure isn't there. Although I'm working a few more hours than I'm supposed to be working, um, but it's keeps it sustainable. As well, right, that we're all part time. But yeah, there's kind of an ever growing budget. We were donated space through Grace Valley Church now. So we have a beautiful office there now that was gifted to us. So and people are gifting us in other ways as well. I don't know if you heard about our, our beautiful thing about campfire. You guys are familiar with Campfire? Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, a couple of families. Um, I forget how it actually started, but um, Natalie reached out to, no, no, actually it was a small group from a church that reached out and said they would like to sponsor two kids to go to Campfire. Yeah. Oh, cool. And like word got out and other churches wanted to do that now too. Mm-hmm. So I think there's 20 kids now that we're supporting through say, Families going to Campfire because of church so yeah so you know the church responds in in other ways as well financially too Mm. which supports our families too we also have a meal ministry so you know that's a financial give too we have a couple churches that are invested in that and then we have a freezer they bring meals we always bring meals to all of our families that's kind of our first gift of grace and kindness to them um and and then we kind of carry on for the for a little while bringing those meals once a week and it just lifts them up tremendously but Wow. As much as possible, yeah. we we like the churches to respond, mm. right? That the, like the money that we're raising for safe families is kind of to cover salaries and like we need computers and whatever. You yeah, guys yeah. know just the,
0: yeah. the basics.
1: Yeah, but the rest we like to get um, from the
0: church. Do you find... um that getting volunteers is the biggest challenge then?
1: Yeah, it, not yet. Um, because we're still new, we're kind of a little bit in the honeymoon stage. Okay. So we probably have 150 volunteers oh, already.
0: Wow. wow. Um, do you have which, to have any training to do that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, what happens is there's usually an info session. So I you know, have an info session at a church or we have um, open ones, People, anybody can come to them. And then after the info session, they do training. And so far, those have all been in person And that's really important to me because Safe Families is a relational organization and I want to keep that relationship also with the volunteers. They get to know each other, they get to know me and... Um, I get to know them. Um, I know that a lot of other chapters do it virtually. Like there's a recording and that's what I'm actually gonna be working on is creating some of those trainings. But okay. then they do the trainings for the, there's a family friend, there's a fa- host family and a family coach. If you're a family friend, you just do that one. If you're a host family, you do the family friend and the host. And if you're coach, you do all three. Um, but I will say what I like about the the personal relationship in the training is sometimes they think they're signing up for the family coach or something that, and I'm like, uh, or the other way around the family friend. And I'm like, actually, you have some pretty phenomenal gifts. I think that you could do well here, whatever mm-hmm. else. Cause there's this, like, let's just try the family friend. That sounds easy, but right. they're all easy the as far drug. as, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> But like the coach is really just facilitating and yeah. guiding and the host family. Like, so anyways, it's all kind of divide and conquer, but so, mm-hmm. and then there's, um, they need to get references. They need to get a police check. If they are host family, mm-hmm. I go into their home and they, I walk through the home and we have a checklist to kind of make sure that it's safe. Um, and what else that they have to do? Yeah. There's like, I come down yeah. and meet them. I kind of do an interview and a conversation so they understand the role and we get to know a bit more of their personal story, which is really important mm-hmm. to me. I like to match, you know, if there's a family that struggled with addiction, you know, they could help support that or right. whatever. Yep. It just kind of meets that.
2: Um, hmm. so yeah. is there, is there any like, um, legal guidelines or any Like, cause I imagine CES must have like some, like you saying you're going into homes and assessing yeah. whether this is a good enough home like yeah, yeah. i mean i'm not really familiar with yeah. the foster system so we, either, but like
1: yeah we do have um liability insurance for our our volunteers but because we're not trained professionals um we're like we lean into the professionals for some of those right. things but as far as the legal there there really isn't right because because the parents are voluntarily offering their children to us that's so, a, yeah. so the parents, you know, can come and see the house and they can deem whether it's safe or not.
2: And that's let me, actually, let yeah. me tell
1: you a lot of our homes are <laughs> safer than where they're coming from. Yeah.
2: So, um, but you know, like in a way, like, like if you just like zoom out, that's not surprising at all because we should just be able to help each other. Yes. But amen. For some exactly. reason that's surprising yes. because I feel yes. like the government would have their finger on that oh, for some reason. Yeah.
1: Well, and this is the, this is the dance. This is the tension, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we don't want all the paperwork yeah because we're help yes yeah. right so you know if when you guys were little and you your uncle aunt babysat you whatever else it wasn't like you had to sign yes. papers yeah. off like
2: oh no. yeah. well exactly so
1: but the thing is because they're because sin is in the world and we're all broken some of those you know T's need to be crossed and those eyes need to be mm-hmm. dotted but we, we do our best but you do it internally and, and you guys know that you can do your best to do it all right and the devil will get get well, in there just so. yeah
2: i mean i'm sure there's well, there's plenty of foster family horror stories so yeah yeah like yeah you can do all the vetting you want but yeah do you
0: know if uh so like safe families is across a lot in ontario and then out west a bit as well is there anything um in other parts of the country that is like safe families like i don't think bc has any locations i'm saying yeah bc
1: is starting too there's some interest in that too um not that we're aware of okay. right and especially because it's church based so yeah. as you know there are a lot of social services mm-hmm. right in, in Hamilton social and around about and yeah they're and they're all doing great things we we like we we like to say we're not competing with any of them we're we're collaborating with yeah. them mm-hmm. we're all desiring to see family strong and intact and and you know have a sustainable community as much as possible so but, do they
2: approach them different like Areas like obviously CAS is more called with abuse and, and, but like, does like something like mission services in Hamilton, do they approach it in a different direction or?
1: Well, so we say families is, you have to have children. Right. Right. So we don't take care of, that sounds awful, but you know, there's other people. Mission services
2: does a lot like, they have like a women's shelter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like they do a lot of stuff with the homeless too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then we're aware of that. So we like to make connections with them. Right. So we, we very much say we're not the professionals, but we'll connect you to the professionals. So even as far as the hospital, right. The hospital has all kinds of different divisions and areas Mm -hmm. of expertise and so on. So, you know, they'll reach out to us specifically for support. Like right now we're actually caring for a child that's been in the hospital for 18 months and the mom is now sick. So we have volunteers coming in to to sit with this child and take care of the mom too. Oh, wow. we make the connections to the organizations that have set up well in those areas. But what is neat is that we don't just say, Oh, you know what, to get the support you need, just go over there. We go with them. Mm. Right. We walk through the valley with them as such. Oh, that's cool. um, yeah. So they're not just just on their own. We help make the phone calls. That's one of my favorite, too. There was a woman that was obviously struggling with depression and she, you know, she didn't want to go seek counseling and, and she was no place to kind of change her diet and exercise, whatever else. And I said, well, you need to call your doctor. Right. You're not taking care of yourself, you're not managing your family well. No, 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 no. And I just, I sat on the bed with her and she gave me the number and like, I dialed the number and then I gave her the phone. And then as soon as she she got the receptionist on, she left, but it was just giving that confidence to her. She wouldn't have done it without me, right? It was just mm. terrifying. And a lot of our people have phone phobia, like it's yeah. crazy. Huh. So they feel like the whole world is against them. They're mm. always being judged. So we always it's lean into, thing. yeah, their yeah. strengths and, and building up, but because I sat with her, right. She could do it. Mm. And it wasn't just her carrying that weight of I'm Hmm. some stupid woman. That's interesting.
2: I've actually like, I'm just thinking back when I started like working in an office, having somebody, the guy I was trained by just like selling stuff. He would always call with me in the room. And that's made me like a hundred times better on the phone. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like just having somebody show you that it's just not scary. It's just a thing. You just do it.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, and also, like, I love that. I love that example because that's kind of discipleship. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, well, that's so, like really
2: training because then, I get yeah. to, like, you get to hear the whole conversation. And yeah. How, how does the conversation actually happen?
1: Yes. Like, yes. Like, how do you
2: actually? Yeah. And for these people who don't have support, like, what is
1: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
2: being a supported person look like? Yeah.
1: No. Exactly. Like, this is how you go to yeah. get support? Yeah. You know? And it's it's crazy the questions that we get too. Like, how do we do this? And and. Yeah. Like I, I sat across the table once from a mom that said, Hilde, you have no idea how blessed you are to know how to be a mom. Mm. I see that all the time. They, they really have no clue. And things that we just take for granted, even a kind of a bedtimes and routines and, you know, making sure the dishes are clean before you put more food on the Like they, they just have no clue.
2: We just don't. Yeah. We have so many examples in our lives. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. yeah. And we truly take it for granted.
2: Yeah, well, we bicker about whether your bedtime routine is better (laughs) than my bedroom (laughs) (laughs) routine. Oh, you only read two books? I read (laughs) three books.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's survival for, for, and I, and I, again, not all of them. There are, there are truly some families Mm -hmm. that just don't have healthy connections Mm -hmm. that, just need someone to be there for them and, and help them out. And so this one family that I was telling you, this mom that um, was finishing her school and just wanted her children out because she was struggling with depression. She's now um, doing hair. She's, she's got a job now. And she wants to do um, hair for families, um, With was say families, because she wants to oh, return. Yeah, cool. So that's the other thing that we're seeing. It's starting to reciprocate now that the families that we supported now that are strong want to give back. And to bless you into know, a the or A
2: a slipper maker.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. And then, you know, one is good at meal planning and wants to see someone else, you know, get stronger. They see all kinds of Tim Hortons bags and Ubers that were Ubered in. I'll help her with that. And then you mm-hmm. see, you know, families becoming friends.
2: Oh, that's fun. Too. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, God is good. He's-
2: Do you find it easier or from like our church community, like, is it, um, does it seem easier for people to get involved with, say, families since there are kids involved? And since they can kind of relate to the family dynamic, because I just think of like, if you say something to somebody like go and get involved in the community, people always say like, Oh, I'll go serve at a soup kitchen, which is like something that's like very like not in your life and very like you could just go do without any kind of connection to the people. But it's also kind of terrifying because the person, you know, you're scooping soup for somebody who probably has a drug addiction. That's like way beyond your capacity to <laughs> understand what they're going through, yeah. let alone fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, and even like mission services, like I've, we've done work at, like, you know, mm-hmm. some women's women shelters, shelters and, and mm-hmm. other, and other kind of things, just like doing our you know, selling them a door mm-hmm. and you're like, I can't imagine <laughs> even approaching these people with any kind of useful, yeah, you know, advice or yeah. even like, how do I walk alongside yeah. this person?
1: So, so a couple of things in that first is just say hi to them.
2: yeah yeah. like seriously that is
1: a big deal you're not
2: actually allowed to if you're (laughs) sleeping on the floor and you're like "Mm." so but
1: no there is there is something about that just acknowledge them and say hey how are you right acknowledge that they are creating the image of god as well that they too are human beings that they too have value right Mm. and it's amazing because a lot of them they do get people's heads turned away from them. The other thing is, I think that what is unique about safe families is the structure, right? You're you're never alone in it. So you're always going to have someone else if you're in an awkward situation to come alongside of it. Mm. The children part of it, I'm not so sure because we have males, females, singles, young, old. We have a number of Redeemer students that are also volunteering in beautiful ways and they're mm-hmm. kind of walking alongside some of the... The youth as well, mm. right? So some of the, it's from zero to eighteen, right? So there's children there that are yeah. 17, seventeen or whatever 17, else, yeah. and they take them out for coffee or go to the park. My son, you know, takes some plays basketball, goes for a walk with a child that is on the autistic spectrum to give a break for the mom, mm. right? There's different ways and different capacities that that you can serve. And and the guys too, you know, they can help in different ways in, in um supporting bringing a washing machine or fixing things or even right. you know being a support to the couple right and showing what a husband should be doing as mm-hmm. such or I shouldn't say should could be doing right And mm-hmm. supporting um so even as a host family an example there you know as a as a married couple or as a family what it looks like so i don't know if the children is is really it it, it could be for some that but i know that there are some where like i'm just walking alongside the parents so i don't want to deal with the children right. so
2: um, right. I guess. Yeah. Each yeah. Of
1: own, right? Yeah. Each, each to their own, but I
2: just feel like, like it's easier to relate to somebody who's trying to, uh, develop something that you, well, you may have a better grasp on. Like mm-hmm. what is Yeah. What does a good mm-hmm. bedtime look like? You're struggling with this. Well, I, well, think- I can, I actually know how to do yes. that.
1: Yes. Like- so I think that your perspective is a little, a little off in that. So what we like to say is really just come as friends, mm. right? Don't come with an agenda. So right. there's goals as such, but that is kind of to build community right. and get yourself well in a place where you can do it yourself. So it's not that we come in and try to fix things right. or to come even with our special gifts as such. We're really just, I shouldn't say just, it's, it's actually huge. We're, we're shoulder and hand mm. and eyes to see them really so there are definitely circumstances and yeah. you know there's a, a a family with three little boys and one of our our volunteers is taking them fishing because he loves to fish right so there's oh, definitely fun, definitely that I do that. kind that's of thing like, yeah. yeah well and that's that's the thing this is what i like <laughs> to say and this is my favorite part is the interviews, getting to know you right like then what are your gifts what can you pour into because sometimes mm. we don't even know what they are or where we can help it's like no i don't like i don't can't open up my home it's like you're right. you're a beautiful creation. You have gifts, you have talents. We all are called to respond. Mm. What's your part in this? Right. So, and it could be, yeah. we have a mechanic that um, says, bring all the cars to me and I'll take care of them for free. Oh, right. Wow. So that can be their part. Right. Mm. And, and other people can serve. We just got a donation of a whole um, whack of candies that expired. Big skid full. Well, that's their part. Mm. Right. For some, it's the financial. For some, it's, you know, having a pickup truck to be able to move furniture. Yeah. Right. So. You have something we just kind of, and that's why I say the church is all, all needed and necessary yeah. as a part of it.
2: You're pretty yeah. much just bringing people into your life as. Amen. Yeah, Amen. As a friend. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's it's cool to have something that like can facilitate that. Like, cause yeah, I mean, I like to fish. If a kid likes to be outdoors, I'd like, yeah. love to take a kid and oh, go and.
1: Oh man. And Tyler, you have them. no idea but, what a blessing you would be. Seriously. That's the, like, that's the thing. But Like
2: then I, I would feel intimidated if you were like, okay, well, we have, uh, this, uh, you know, alcoholic father who's sitting on a street corner. Okay. Well, we should go chat with that guy. I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Does he want to go fishing? Yeah. To go yeah. Fishing. Well, like, and that's, like, and that's go.
1: exactly right? it. That, that, but, like they would be delighted. Right. Like our two neighbors down, we live downtown Hamilton. You know, we were packing up to go camping. These two little kids were like, can we come camping? We've never been camping. Like, and it's like, what is camping, anyways? We hear about right. it. It's a tent, right? And they were like, so they have no idea of a lot of mm. the stuff that we just do, do yeah. all the time.
0: So and did you tell and- them it's like a downgrade from the house? No.
2: depends Sounds like a
1: out. lot of fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. But but
1: really, Tyler, I I challenge mm. you to say to the guy on the end of the street, right? Sitting down there, how are you? Mm. Can I meet you for coffee? You know, next time I'll I'll buy the coffee. Hey, do you like fishing? Yeah. Let's go fishing. Right. And and in your fear, they're also afraid, right? Mm. So they're like, who is this guy? Well, sure, I'll try it out, whatever. But slowly but surely, you build that relationship. Yeah. And
2: um, well, I'll show you that. You thought you were going to get kidnapped when you showed up at the end of a day and rode here. So <laughs> that's it's like, healthy, it's fine. Yes,
1: yes. But that's exactly it. There's a trust. There has yeah. to be this bond first, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and what I like to say is safe families is nothing new. This is what the church is doing already. So even before I go to churches, I often look at their website and see some of the things that they're doing, and I kind of build, you know, build on to what they're already doing. There's mm-hmm. cultures in churches too, right? Some church might have sports camps. Another church might be you know, serving at the shelters, whatever else. Lean into that and mm-hmm. say, just stretch a little bit more in that, but keep doing what you're doing. Say Families just gives a structure for you to support. So like my husband does a tax clinic, you know, if, if someone came to him and shared kind of the struggles that they're in, you know, he could say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Or he could say, you know what, I I know someone that can help you with that and then connect to the volunteers and the volunteers would naturally have a support. And then we can respond right away to a need Mm -hmm. there instead of, oh, I'm so sorry. Have a good day.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: you have a connection right away. Yeah. So. I mean,
2: there's a lot of programs that we run, we're running in our churches that we encourage people to bring their neighbors to yes. like VBS or yeah. like, a, yeah, like a vacation yeah. Bible thing in the summer or, yeah. or something like that. Like,
1: yeah.
2: And campfire is a great example. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. But to, yeah. I mean, for a mother who's struggling to have a break from their kids for like eight hours a day for mm-hmm. a whole week and a half or whatever mm-hmm. in the summer is like could mm-hmm. be like life changing.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing is I think that you mentioned this kind of earlier. It's easier easy for us to bring soup to the soup kitchen or serve mm-hmm. soup at a soup kitchen, right? I'll never forget um in Elmont where we were serving breakfast to the high school um kids or the elementary so anyways, some school kids. Um they were beautiful school kids. I don't mean to demean yeah, them at all. But, kids. <laughs> yeah, they were beautiful. But one of the, the girls said she went through like breakfast programs for her whole education. And she said, no one said to me, how are you? And hmm. who are you? Right, yeah. so so think about that. Right, we're doing the good deed of giving mm-hmm. the nice food and whatever, and, and don't don't dismiss. That's important. Mm-hmm. That's very important. But at the same time, if we just said how are you and found out a little bit about their life, you know, and then took them aside and prayed with them or whatever else, met with them again, or even followed up the next time they were there. Oh, how did your exam mm-hmm. go? Or how's your sick mom doing? Or you know, how's your dad doing? And I'm sorry you heard you like whatever. Yeah. How's your pet doing? Some of that's important to some of the people too. That's one more
0: mm-hmm.
1: little connection, and it's. Not that big of a deal.
2: A little goes a long way.
1: It does. It's that ripple effect. It's just like a t-
2: natural thing. If for us, like, do it. Yeah, it's well. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Once you are like, once you're yeah. sh- like your whole shelter and everything you're figured out in your life, like to go to just express a little bit of interest in somebody's not unnatural. But for them, it's like the first thing that they. Yeah. Well, need and in their even
1: life. just a compliment. Like mm. a lot of families, you know, don't necessarily grow up with a lot of compliments and a lot of praise. So if you say good for you, they're just like, what, well, what did I do? Well, like it's, yeah, it, it's, cool. it's unbelievable. If you, how small yeah. a little bit of Jesus goes like, mm. and it, Jesus is, is. Far bigger. Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> measurable. But, but yeah, yeah, just
0: a little bit of encouragement, even like even, um, uh, not to again we do this all the time but like jordan peterson is just no, the before. same thing I yeah like, i can't I, say I jordan you peterson of on it. this podcast again <laughs> like, yeah. no but like just giving people like that little bit of encouragement and like yeah, it just, like just goes them so far that's yeah. the thing no it, you know,
2: it yeah. brings him to tears every time he talks about it it's like it, unbelievable how little encouragement people actually need to go get their life together like hey how are you doing need someone to look at you and be like hey
0: nice job man <laughs> But or, like a
2: friend who actually cares about what you did and not just yeah. like someone who you know wants something out of um, it, yeah, you know, wants something out of it, which is yeah, yeah, and, and
1: that's Jesus mm-hmm. really, right? He it was three years, he did all of his work, and well, he's still working, of course, but you know what I mean, like on earth, yeah, yeah. and he was just there to say, Hey, can I go to your house for dinner? Hey, I'm gonna heal you, and hey, your mm-hmm. sins are forgiven, and whatever, like it was just. Well, it was a big deal. Don't, don't dismiss that, but.
2: Well, the things you, um, like the, even the interactions, like the small interactions with like, yeah, like a prostitute here and like, yeah. yeah, like a woman that no one would talk to or like just the small thing. And the interactions aren't like, and Jesus came back and interacted with her over and over again. No, <laughs> It's like I know. a small yeah. thing that like yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing that I, that I want to emphasize too, is that, you know, we are children of God. I don't think we really understand that. Like we are engrafted. We are fully secure in Christ's family. He's my brother, Mm -hmm. right? So we always have a sense of security, no matter how much we mess up. Like Mm -hmm. that in itself is, is already a gift, right? So to think that if we can have someone else join our family and feel that safety and that security, that's truly God's love. And our like His grace upon us. Once we understand how privileged we are to be His child, mm. and understand the grace that He has shown to, sorry, I'm an idiot. I don't know about you guys, but shown this idiot, mm. that's only going to want me to show more grace to other people.
2: Yeah, that's well put. Like we don't let's think about that, that like that a lot. Like a lot of times we think like, oh, we have this church, which is like, yeah, obviously, like we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we we think of more of it like as a resource or like something that yeah. we've built. It's like, oh, we have a community, but yeah, like, yeah, we probably don't say it enough. Like, well, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and you know, we don't always get along even.
1: No. Like, you know. where everyone thinks yeah. the same. No one thinks much but, at all.
2: But yeah, I mean like, yeah. Go back to like, you know, who are we actually? And yeah. Why would you not want more people to feel that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 To well, feel that security and that safety and that Jesus, Yeah, hope. And Mm -hmm. I think that the other thing in that is because we are, you know, secure and fully adopted, we have an eternal perspective, Mm -hmm. right? It's not an immediate perspective. It's not a material good. It's an eternal good. So then the immediate seems so much more minimal, because we can look Mm -hmm. forward to the to the bigger picture. So then when we're walking alongside families that are in those vulnerable situations, we see the minimal present. And we can bring them to the eternal and say, "Sorry."
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're
1: good. Um, do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Right? Because then your your circumstance right now is hard. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, Jesus will clean this up mm-hmm. because we're looking forward to the new earth, and this is all going to be beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. like, I wouldn't carry on with the stuff I'm doing if I didn't have that hope and that perspective.
2: Do you think that they people like from CAS and people that you talk to see that that like you have something else that motivates you other than? Oh
1: brother I gotta tell you a good story about that so one of our the first in not one of the first days of fifth or sixth intake a woman in a in a shelter um she was just all over the place she was just you know getting off drugs I think she was four months clean um but she was just walking around the room pacing trying to get her head straight and whatever else and so we were kind of getting some information from each other there was another person there that knew her and we were sharing information and then I said I I wouldn't like to pray with you and she's like yeah sure pray. So I prayed. And then afterwards, she's like, you've got some weird hope about you. Like, you're just hopeful, giddy kind of hopeful. I don't know what it is, but I want that. Hmm. So and, and that was it. Right. Like, I just came before the Lord and prayed for this woman. But she saw what I had for her. I have a lot of hope for her to do well. And now, like, she's been coming to church with us. She's tried to do Christianity and explored. It hasn't worked out that well, but um, she wants to know God. She's mm-hmm. reading her Bible and she's like, you have something in you that I want.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: So that's uh
2: Yeah. You don't know how that witness is like, yeah. I think a lot of times we underestimate like what we could actually do. Like what, what's the impact yeah. that, you know, a yeah. simple prayer or something can have. For yeah.
1: You, but, yeah. Yeah. Or a meal or whatever. And that's what I say with the CAS too. When they say, are you going to throw the gospel down their throat? I, I say, no, but I, I can't help but be a Christian.
0: Yeah that only helps. Yeah. Well, we're probably coming towards the end. Do you have any uh, messages you want to give people or how they can help or volunteer? Oh, if you
1: want to love the Lord more, come and volunteer with safe families. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and not only that, it's don't think of it as more work. Think of as, as continuing the good work that you're doing with an extra skip of joy, holding Jesus' hand, going into hard places, really. But I don't know, I could talk about this forever. It's, it's changed <laughs> my good. life. It truly has. Right. So um, even my husband this morning said, you know what, maybe she needs to move in with us. And I was like, boy, honey, <laughs> you know, and then I had to send a text to someone because yeah. I, um, yeah, someone that we're connected with is still dealing with um, racism against them and very, you know, really quite bitter about the black um, situation as such. They're, they're black as well. and. So I was texting and he's like, just, just say like, I can see this is hard for you. So, and my husband is not, you know, he he's empathetic, but not to the same extent that I am, sure. but he's, he's been changed too. And oh, he yeah. knows that he has to en- enter in and truly love and uh, we need each other, right? Mm-hmm. I could get sucked into this really deep if it wasn't for my husband and yeah, we need each other to
2: lean on Christ. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you seem like you're doing great work but <laughs> like, also managing oh, glory to the lord mm-hmm.
1: yeah great
2: people me. Mm-hmm. well Wonderful. so yeah we can um we'll link you the website and sure. everything that you're doing so. sure you
1: can give my cell phone number and whatever <laughs> i love to want to
2: start their own chapters <laughs> yeah. and they can reach out yeah Wonderful. yeah i'm
1: excited Outside awesome. of what God's doing. But
2: well, yeah. thanks for coming on and sharing. I know you were you Thank know you guys. like wondering,
1: hey, why'd you pick us? Yeah, or, why'd you pick me? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really curious. Actually, it this, was Mariah. Yeah, Mariah reached out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bless her heart. Yeah.
2: yeah. And yeah. well, it's because it's so important. Yeah, so it definitely is. You know, yeah. I mean, we hope you get more volunteers, but that's not really why we do it. We also yeah. just do it to learn and to, yeah. you know. So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we appreciate you coming on and explaining to us you know, everything that you've got going on. So yeah. yeah. It's truly been yeah. some real talk. So, so. you yeah. got,
1: yeah. You so you guys can email me and
2: become
0: volunteers. I click get involved already. <laughs> oh, good.
1: <laughs> you can donate. You can. You yeah, know, there's there lots of avenues. Yeah.
0: For sure. Wonderful. Beautiful. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we've got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamaga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time.